If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You think about the person in your life when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. And I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. Now, what I'm talking about our fucking game. I want them talking about us. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Barty. Hello, Barty. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, and a man whose hamstring does not snap like a Christmas cracker, is Nathan A. Clark. Well, I mean, so far, it's one of the... One of the few injuries I haven't had, so <laughs> fingers crossed on that one, buddy. Yeah, um, bad injury news for Spurs. I mean, that is just like the theme of the season at this point. I yeah. think the uh, the constant injuries, like every time, every single time we think we're kind of getting somewhere with the squad getting back, another one goes down, and then another one goes down. And now we've got January where we're going to lose three players, and oh man, it's it's a lot. <laughs> Why do Arsenal players not get injured? Mm. One might ask. I wonder if there's something in the consistency of the coaching for a number of years, uh, the, the sort of build-up of a degree of tolerance to the style of football they play, whereas for Spurs players, it's all new and different and very high intensity. Yeah, yeah. Going from going from how we played last season under Conte, when we were we were you know keeping a, a nice steady jog going to to explosive football, maybe maybe that's a bit of a, a harsh transition for some players, but. I wouldn't put too much stock into that, you know. Arsenal lost Saliba at the tail end of last season. Uh, the whole season sort of collapsed, right? So, I don't know. They did I mean, lose Zinchenko, we get... and they've lost Ben White now. And they lost, what's he called, the uh, the new signing, who was meant to be their new... Timber! Timber, yeah. <laughs> Windy, run into the aid of Arteta. We haven't had that in a while. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just stating facts, Barty. <laughs> stating facts. Uh, did you have a nice Christmas? I am very tired. It was very mm. busy, especially with um, all my social stuff ended. Ended started really in the final week before Christmas, and then the Spurs went to the Everton game, which turned into a long day out, and then family over and just, just cooking lots of foods, and now just faced with a, a, a fridge full of bits and pieces. I don't even know where to start or what to eat first, to be <laughs> honest. How about you, Nathan? Yeah, I had a, I actually had a pretty easy, quite a nice one for once, so, so that was good. Nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. You, you took a day off work. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just about. I uh, I 
I still got I got that nagging feeling that I should be doing something that I I I get whenever I haven't done any work because like I don't I don't do tons of work every day but I I tend to do like at least something and so when I don't it's it's there's like a, a bit of guilt and I had to convince myself that it was it was Christmas Day you know I had to be you know uh, visited by the the ghosts of Christmas past present and future <laughs> I I live with that at all times. <laughs> Uh, and my my fiance is constantly telling me that I need to rest more. And my New Year's intention, not a resolution, because I don't believe in resolutions. My New Year's intention is to look after myself better and take more rest. Mm. Because what tends to happen is I, well, essentially, I've got two jobs, haven't I, with this? Yeah. And I just go hell for leather, hell for leather, hell for leather, and I cope and I'm fine and I'm all good. And then I suddenly crash and burn and I get ill. <laughs> And it happens on a quarterly basis, I would say. Mm. And I need to stop that cycle. There's a drink, you know, that we talk about quite regularly that that can help you with that kind of stuff, Wendy. Yeah, um, I'm on it. Don't 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 worry. It's a it's a daily occurrence in my life. Part <laughs> your routine. <laughs> yeah, it is. More on that later, no doubt. Um, let's talk about the Everton game. I know we we probably don't really want to talk about it too much because I, you know, for me. Uh, I think this was our worst performance of the season. Uh, but I'm uh, interested to find out how you guys felt about it and feel about it. The, the starting eleven was, I guess, predictable because of the absences. Uh, we, oh, oh, actually, perhaps not. Perhaps, perhaps we thought Hoybier might start. But um, Skip was playing as a six. Emerson Royale was playing as the inverted left back. Um, other than that, no major surprises. I I was quite happy to see Skip start. I thought it was an interesting move, something a bit different to just plonking in Hjoiberg. So I was quite quite curious to see that, quite happy to see that. And I thought we I thought we did okay until um until Andre Gomez came on and then his 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 introduction really changed the game into Everton's favour. But mm. I don't think it was that bad. I've seen us play worse this season. I thought we started all right. We hung on towards the end, but that was because we inserted the Bermuda Triangle and all, things always go weird then. But I thought it was not as bad as that, Wendy. I thought it was okay, mate. Braithwaite, by the way. I really like Braithwaite. Go- Braithwaite. Yeah, he is good. Braithwaite, sorry. Yeah, go He's young, him. he's English. He's young, he's English. He's left-footed, he's tall, he's fast. He's like a... I don't know. It's like a Wilco v, uh, Van der Ven. Go get him. Mm. Can play yeah. that back too. Mm. Mm. Uh, Nathan, were you, were you at all surprised by the team selection? Were you? Uh, or did you have good feelings about this game once you saw the team selection? No, <laughs> no. He he. Uh... <laughs> I think he he pretty much uh, said before the match that it would be skip starting in that role, uh, or heavily hinted at it, and I I had some mm. concerns. What I was expecting is um was more I was expecting more difficulty at the start and us needing to adapt. Um, whereas what we got was um so they they set up in a what do you call this like a four four one one right mm-hmm. with their number ten, which I think must have been Garner, um mm-hmm. uh sort of sitting on skip leaving them just Dominic Cavett-Lewin to press the centre-backs. And uh, that gave us two ways of getting the ball forward. One was a centre-back simply strolled up the pitch and picked out a pass with with some good movement ahead of them. Or um, we saw sometimes Porro, sometimes Saar drop in to make a midfield two and just outnumber um, them in, in that in that second line. Um, so for the opening yeah, half an hour or so, we found ways to get the ball forward. When we got the ball forward, we had some really nice rotations, some really nice plays to to get in behind um, and played really good football. And um, 
and it was it was the remaining 70 minutes that were, <laughs> were the problem period mm, yeah i i kind of disagree with Bardi in that i felt like we got a bit better after the hoybier sub um sure. no do i mean that no, yeah the hoybier no. sub yeah the I, never said that I never said this i said the andre gomez i said everton got better when they yeah. put gomez yeah yeah i think you i think you made a point about the bermuda triangle mm. <laughs> Um, yeah. but I actually thought it was. I thought it was fine. I thought, actually, I in a pod recently I said that Lacelso was terrible off the bench, uh, and that he should only start and not come on, basically. Uh, and and I would like to retract that because I thought he actually was pretty good when he came on and he did some really useful stuff for us. Um, I thought Skip really struggled. Uh, I I think this I think Skip is best suited to the six role of any in in the Ange ball, but I think his um, lack of press resistance was a problem, and also his lack of athleticism in the press was a problem. Uh, there were a couple of things I noticed. I mean, the, the the two sort of the key things that stay with me from the game in relation to Skip were him losing the ball and them countering on us. Which you know could can happen to anyone and and will happen to yep. all of our number sixes, but it was it was a really unfortunate moment for him. And then later in the game, him unsure whether to step out or drop back, so stepping out but doing so with his sort of limited mobility, and then just getting passed around for like thirty seconds straight, um, chasing the ball like a headless chicken. And I just thought, God, we really miss Basuma. <laughs> Um, and and Basuma has been getting a lot of criticism recently, and I think some of it justified because I do think his performance levels have dropped. But I think this game showed that Basuma, even at this level, you know where he's not at the best he was at the start of the season, is significantly better at six than than Skip. And maybe after a few games, Skip will uh, grow into it a little. But my my feelings are that Skip is a perfectly competent player, but not suited to Angel. I think it's all happening too fast for him to deal with. When I think back to his loan at Norwich, playing as number six and doing really well and, and playing a huge number of passes, there wasn't a lot of pressure on him a lot of the time. It was in the championship where at that point there wasn't a huge amount of high pressing and the number six in Norwich's possession heavy side saw a lot of the ball and saw a lot of the ball without too much pressure. So he was able just to kind of pick it up off the centre backs and puncture passes through the midfield and do that really effectively. And I still think he could do that really effectively for some Premier League teams, you know. I look at Harrison Reed at Fulham and I think that could easily be Oliver Skip. He could easily play central midfield for Fulham in the, in the same to the same level that Harrison Reed does. But I don't think he's it for Angeball. I don't think he can quite cope with the pace of, of what's being required of him, the press resistance of what's being required of him. And uh, I'm looking forward to this experiment being over, if I'm honest. I think you've been a little bit harsh on Skip. I think he was he's not he's not as good as Basuma, which is obvious he's not. But I think he did all right. I think he did. I, th- I actually think he did better than you're giving him credit for. His passing was fairly accurate. He did carry the ball quite a bit. He did offer us bits and pieces, made some tackles, moved around, switched the ball occasionally. I thought he was all right. I don't think he was the problem. I just there just wasn't much. There just wasn't much coming from from other areas of the team, and we missed a, we missed a doggy and yeah. That was we it. really missed you, Doggy. That the midfield just wasn't working. Emerson stepping inside, and I think that was more of a problem area than Skip. I think Skip did fine. He's not going to be a solution at six, but for for this game, I thought it was fine. Well, I think you could probably get away with um, Skip at six if you've got Poro and Doggy fit. 
Yeah. But I don't think you could get away with skipper six with Emerson Royale as the other kind of um, build-up player in midfield. I think that was a real struggle for the pair of them. Um, ben Stock says, I agree with everything you've been saying about Skip. However, do you think there could be a place in the squad for him if he finds his form as the last 20-minute firefighting central midfielder when closing out a game in the early season Hoybier mould? He could be an important part of the squad building too, given it would be difficult to replace him as a club-trained player. Nathan, do you see a future for Skip in, in Angie's squad? Well, I think he, he's been doing the come-off-the-bench off things and not really giving us what we've been looking for there. I think, um, I think yeah, to sort of basically repeat the point you've already made, Wendy, like uh, going into the game, I was worried about Skip in possession, uh, where he was actually fine in that role, uh, but it was yeah. the out-of-possession stuff, like the and definitely highlights... Um, just how much we ask of Basuma um, week after week, times when he's just got to try and suppress a counter-attack with like three people in midfield on his own. And uh, it's not really a criticism of Skip to say that like he, he struggled with that because um, he should struggle with that. And it's um, it's kind of absurd that Basuma does okay, although he's also picked up a couple of reds and, and several yellows in the process, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, highlights how much I think we ask of our number six and what a difficult role that is. Um, it's fair to say. Uh, for me, for me, I think Skip's best role is the number eight. But I still, I, you know, he's still not in my my long term view for the squad. Fair, uh, Barney. How are you feeling about your Charleston bet with Nathan right now? Um, feeling. I think I probably lose this bet. I think it's been a while since I lost the bet, but I think I'm going to lose this one. But I don't mind. He scored a good goal. I don't think he was involved as perhaps he would have liked, but it was a nice finish. And he, I think Johnson had a similar opportunity in in the first half as well that he missed, that he fluffed. So, um, yeah, he's becoming a bit more clinical. It's good. Keep crossing the ball. Cross more, Tottenham. Uh, Yeah, I actually thought that this was a, (laughs) <laughs> like maybe Richarlison's worst game for Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the goal, he was really, he, he was really ball. like, yeah, yeah, he was broken groin, Richarlison, not, not, not yeah. running, not running boy. Pre-dick injury. <laughs> yeah. They reattached his massive steel balls and it was striking him down. <laughs> but it was a really nice composed finish. That, that was mm, great. True. Um, I think um, whoever won the toss, Everton must have won the toss because they seem like the kind of people who who make us play the wrong way for the first <laughs> half. I, I honestly believe that had a, has an impact. I know it's exactly the same. There's, there's no actual real life pitch tilt with the pitch tilts. But um, I think uh, I think it did have impact us not playing towards the park lane for the second half. Mm. Something about the routine of it all, isn't it? Mm, I think so. Uh, I thought Richarlison was poor and, and quite sloppy, but I thought he was not helped by the fact that Son had probably his worst game of the season, uh, looking really kind of weary and slow and getting frustrated quite a lot. So uh, since Son uh, skinned up Kieran Trippier for free all game against Newcastle, he has gone. I think I've got this right: five for fourteen on the, on dribbles uh, in the in the in the next two games. So he's trying to do that role. He's trying to get around his player, but. Um, he's he's you know he's doing it around a third of the time, which is which is mm. pretty weak. He's he can not... get around Nathan Patterson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's so... who's not bad by the way? Pat- I think Patterson's a pretty good player. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of shows where Trippier's at. I think at this stage in his career. Yeah, I mean, Everton are real kind of much of a muchness. That um, Onana is huge though. That guy just <laughs> towers over everybody. But yeah, Everton just a much of a muchness. I, I mean, 
uh, Sean Dyche was quite the bouncy character along the touchline, claiming <laughs> everything, him and all his assistants. But yeah, I've, 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 they're not a great to watch, but yeah, Jared Brantwright, he's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He just, yeah, he just, he's got those legs that motor, and I, I really like that. Uh, you referenced Andre Gomez, buddy. I, I, mm. I, I, I did something bad. I, um, <laughs> when he came on, uh, I said in the Discord after a few minutes, "Oh, he's such a nothing player. He doesn't huh. do anything." Like, <laughs> uh, and I still believe that to be true. But uh, he, he was really good. <laughs> He I mean, was really he did, creative and really effective. He did have his legs obliterated into biscuit crumbs by by Sun. You got over. You need some time. Nasty yeah. monster, human Sun. Yeah. Who cruelly ended Andre Gomez's career deliberately as a joke. So um, we go two goals up, and Everton start pressing higher up the pitch, right? Um, because they kind of have to at this stage because they're two goals down. A couple of minutes later, uh, Andre Gomez comes on, and and uh, kind of gear goes off. Um, Andre Gomez, he's sort of like, uh, and I appreciate that he's he's getting on in his years now, but he's sort of like um like a kind of second or third rate Moussa Dembele in his his ability to glue yeah. the ball to himself, and so um so because Everton were pressing us higher, we played into that and and baited them forwards and and looked to bring them onto us and then play fast through the lines and um, and we did have throughout the remainder of the entire game like a few threatening counterattacks several threatening counterattacks but we just couldn't quite turn really any of them into good chances um all of our counterattacks just seemed to peter out and when i say counterattacks i mean both genuine actual turning the ball over in our own half or or their half wherever and also um artificial counterattacks where we've we've baited them forward with possession in and around our own box but yeah we they they did a great job of of containing our counterattacks for the entire rest of the game uh, but because it became quite a bit more transitional, that really suited Andre Gomez, who's not a creative player. Um, you know, can't pick out a pass, but can can control the ball incredibly well. Um, so yeah, I think in a way that that forced substitution kind of helps them quite a bit. As mm. much as I, yeah, as Gomez has been a frustrating player to watch sometimes. Um, and yeah, once it became this this athletic physical game we just seem to wane more and more and more and and definitely and we've spoken before like the the pattern of the game has been um pattern of the games we've had this season has been a lot of the times us dominating for 60 minutes gassing out and having a bit of a fright in the in the closing half an hour of the game uh and this time it seemed to be half an hour of good football and 60 minutes of fatigue which i guess makes some sense when you're talking about like you know skip who's not been starting games and therefore um, hasn't built up that highest level of match fitness, perhaps. Uh, possibly also true of Emerson Royale, although he, he put up five out of five tackles, eight interceptions, seven loose ball recoveries, um, 89% pass success. <laughs> so statistically, he, was he, had a, busy. he had a very <laughs> strong game. He was playing the, the, the most literal inverted fullback you've ever seen in life. He he literally played a fullback role in centre midfield. So everything you'd expect him to do in the byline, he did there without any of the kind of central midfield. It was it was a bizarre performance from him. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it, actually. Yeah. He played fullback when not in the fullback position. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, I mean I, I thought I yeah. thought he was busy, but like Nathan says, I think he was a struggle to be honest i think he really hampered our ball progression 
I mean, it, again, it's it's like the skip one, right? We're comparing him to a doggy who's been a marvel. So, oh yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but it is a really big drop off, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So I think that yeah, with with some some players coming in who weren't stars, we gassed out even earlier as Everton up their intensity and. Um, like it's not the case that we couldn't get the ball to our forwards, you know, whilst drawing Everton's press out. It's when we did, the ball just wouldn't stick to them. And obviously, half of that is the quality of the delivery, timing, and 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 the weight of the ball and stuff like that. Sometimes the pass was definitely forced into uh, a forward who had a defender on their back, and sometimes it's just Son and and Johnson struggled to control the ball a bit, you know. Um, so it's hard. It's hard to do too much of an analysis in terms of like there being really anything to take away from this tactically because like playing that way, playing that way against, you know, Bournemouth was incredible. Yeah, we 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 drew them out and played through them again and again and again, played some incredible football, but again, obviously here you're talking about like um Davies is in place of Van der Ven. Skip is in place of Basuma. Halfway through the game, Eric Dyer is in place of of Christian Romero. Um and so you just got like in my opinion none of those players had a, like a especially bad game maybe Dyer, who actually previously i've 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 um i've defended his ball playing um but collectively that's a significant drop off in their ability to handle being under pressure and and like again none of them lost the ball a lot but between them they managed to lose the ball <laughs> collectively mm. you know what i mean yeah 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 for sure makes sense um, so you, you mentioned Eric Dyer. Inexplicably, he's back in the team. And in light of the Romero news, he might be in the team um, some more. So Postacoglu says ahead of the the next game against uh, Brighton that Romero is due to be out for four to five weeks with a hamstring strain, which is terrible news, obviously. Van de Ven might be back by mid-January, but uh, uh, Postacoglu was not wanting to assess that until he's seen him in training. Um, with Romero out, Bardi, do you think Dyer starts alongside Davis, as happened against Wolves, or do you think Emerson Royale will play centre back? I think we got to bring Emerson Royale back in. Dyer is he's, he's a mess on the ball, he's a mess off the ball, he's a mess the whole way. There's bits there where um, they were running towards him, and he was just full on sprinting backwards towards his own area before he decided to to commit. It's just he's just a totally different defender from Romero. And he's just not suited. And yeah, it's not good. He made one block, but he only made that block after he'd run alongside the guy for 25 yards. (laughs) He needs, um, he's just not good enough in this, in this system. He needs, he needs to go to a low block team soon. Um, Yeah. So play Emerson, put the, put the fullback in centre back. Or maybe even goes to Ashley Phillips. Now he's back fit. That'll be a hell of a big ask, I think. Mm. But uh, you never know. Um, there was um there was a moment in um, in the game where I, I thought I thought something was going on with the crowd. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um after, I think it was towards the 80th minute or so, all the Everton players went steaming over to the, the sidelines. Did you see that? They didn't pick no. up on TV. So all the Everton players come steaming over to the side which I'm on. So I sit in the corner, the the side where the dugouts are. And there's there's this geezer. He's leaning over the the advertising hoardings, waving his fist, shouting at the Everton players. And the Everton players have reacted. And you never you don't normally see football players react to um, individuals in the crowd. And I've gone to the guy next to me. Look at this. They're gonna start fighting with um, a member of the crowd. And then if we look closely, it was Bentancur. Bentancur was leaning over, giving it the old shaking <laughs> of the fist towards all the Everton players. 
And alongside it was all the Spurs players. I saw later on on the TV. They were all sat there watching. But yeah, Bentenko was properly pumping his fist from the side of the <laughs> from the side and giving it. So that was that was nice to see that he's fully coised. I think I mentioned before that at the Villa game, he was up remonstrating with the fourth officials. He's obviously just a passionate watcher, definitely a better player than watcher. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm i I'm a really bad passenger in a car. I, I prefer to be behind the wheel. I really struggle when I'm next to the driver. That's Ben Tankor. <laughs> he can't watch. Because I was looking at him and then, then I looked closely. I could see there was the beard. He was wearing the beanie. And I was just like, holy shit, that's Ben Tankor giving it some. So it was, good. It was nice. nice to see. Nice. Anything else you'd like to say about the Nathan game? The Everton game? The Nathan game. The Nathan game. The Nathan game sounds All fun. games are Nathan games, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> another, another situation with two balls on the pitch, Barley. What's going on at the oh. stadium? I quite like it when they do it this way. And, and it also... <laughs> Honestly, I hate it so much. <laughs> but it's all right when they're attacking. But there's, I meant to, I did do a Tales of the Lane, but I was seriously hung over. My voice is really croaky. Tales of the Lane is something that I, I do for the patrons. It's like four or five minute pods of, of something funny that I saw. And the Benton Core story was one of those tales. The other tale was was this two ball thing because it popped onto the pitch and all it kicked off and then the park lane started singing two balls and you still can't score, <laughs> which um, as someone who likes a, a strange chant or a little kind of impromptu chant, it did make me laugh. I think it's the third time this season that our fans have, have held a ball back and then thrown it on during a critical moment. No, but the ones that we've that's happened in the park lane is just because someone's had a few too many neck oils and just mistimed when to throw it. <laughs> this time it seemed a bit more malicious that it was done tactically. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be, I'm sure there'll be some sort of crackdown on that. That the stewards will have to start walking across and grabbing the balls, won't they? Because it's you can't you can't have that when a team's attacking. Another ball gets thrown onto the pitch. How are you going to crack down on this, Wendy? You're gonna you're gonna employ a load of goalkeepers as ball boys to try and catch it. I think they're going to have to radio to the nearest steward and say, "Go and get the ball. Go and get the ball back." But in the crowd, yeah. <laughs> then they sit. You go up, and someone just throws it. Someone else punches it. You can't. It's, you can't manage it. It's just one of those things. Oh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird that it's happened this year, isn't it? Yeah, quite funny though. When it, it has become someone a, else. it has become a thing. Mm. Definitely. Hello, I'm a former Tottenham player, and I've played under some of the best managers in Brian Clough, Sir Alex Ferguson, and Harry Red, Harry Redknapp. I love scoring goals, and I've won the Premier League Golden Boot in my career. Who am I? <laughs> 
one of my absolute favourite ever players. I I loved watching Teddy play for Spurs. A little before your time, Nathan. I was I was trying to work out how Dimitar Berbatov could possibly have played under Clough. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember um, what year did um, Teddy win the Golden Boot, Windy? Ninety-five. No, very first season of the Premier League. He scored twenty-two goals for Spurs and one for Forest. He also scored, for those of you that want a little bit of trivia, he scored the first ever live, the first ever goal shown on Sky. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. But not the first ever Premier League goal. Do you know who that was? Les Ferdinand? No, 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 no. It was before that. Yeah. Brian Dean. Brian Dean. Yes. Brian Dean. I remember seeing that goal now. Yeah. Brian Dean. Yeah. He was a lamppost of a player. Could, could smack him in, though. He could smack him in. If you're a long-time listener, you might know I'm a huge supporter of AG1. It's part of my routine. It's something I can rely on and trust. It's predictable. Not in the way that the Babuda Triangle of Davies, Darren Hjoyberg is predictable in its ability to cause chaos, but solid and dependable in the way it supports my gut, health, sleep and nutrition. Things which are very important to me. The Bermuda Triangle induces sleepless nights in the very best of us, but I rely on my AG1 to help me through these tough periods. I know that AG1 has a team of doctors and scientists behind it, not a static centre mid and an oil tanker of a centre back. Have faith in AG1 to get you through the winter months and pray that the Bermuda Triangle can manage itself half as good. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why they've been a partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. The, the, the sound quality of this episode may be a bit lower than what you've been used to, so apologies if that is the case. Uh, I've just noticed that my recording is not working properly, so we might have to use our backup. Um, but Nathan will try and work his magic and do the best he can with that. Um, we're going to talk transfers because the January window is about to open. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel really good about it because I think um, I think Spurs' recruitment has really become pretty solid over the last couple of seasons and you know we, i i think the players we've been linked with are are all players we can be excited about and uh yeah i think there's a there's a lot of promise here it's all well and good being excited and having promise but it kind of needs to happen pretty quick like, it does there's there's no point we signed poro who's turned into an incredible one of our best players but he he arrived right at the end of january which was no use to anybody so Todibo mm. and these kind of guys gallagher whoever you want to get them even though i'm not a huge gallagher fan if you want to get them, then that's great. But let's try and get this done early because we we need these players in. Because if we're we're in top four now, and it's it's weird that we had that kind of weird the, the bad few weeks. Had we been a little bit better, picked up a few points here and there, we'd be right in the mix for for top of the table. So I think we need to get this. We need to get the business done as soon as possible. Mm. I think the suggestion is that that Postacoglu is desperate for the centre-back to be done as early as possible. Uh, there was a quote from his press conference today um, on whether it should be a right or left-sided centre-back. And he said, interestingly, I don't put as much stock into a left-sided or right-sided centre-back scenario. We just need another player in that position who can provide some more depth for us and the ability to change it up. It won't matter if it's left-sided or right-sided. It is more the profile and characteristics. We didn't go looking for a left-sided centre-back at the start of the year. It just happened that Mickey was the perfect centre-back. 
even if we had another left-sided one, I still would have signed him. It's about looking at the right profile, the right characteristics, and seeing what's available, then going from there. And I think that is very encouraging, um, particularly in relation to Todibo, who Nathan did a video on last week. Yeah, yeah, I did a... I did a live stream. Um, we just we watched we watched the game. We watched Nice versus Monaco, um, and we paid to do a special attention. But um, we watched the game, most of the game generally as well. And I did it live on Discord, so I fielded some questions as I went along, and we tried to explore whether he could play the passive role. Um, and I, I felt quite like we got to a pretty good place with that within the within the video. Obviously, the sample's one game. And we did some talking statistics and stuff. I'm quite happy with it. Obviously, it's a live stream form rather than like a really polished type video where it's like here's everything compressed into 20 minutes. So I'm interested in feedback because cause I started to consume live stream content now. So I feel less bad about putting out live stream content, basically. Um so yeah, definitely interesting feedback for that. But um, basically, Tadeva was my number one pick coming up to to January, and uh, it seems like maybe he's Spurs number one pick as well. Um, plus the Cogliu's quotes, I am not entirely convinced that he is being honest. I think that he might be saying what is smart for him to say rather than what he genuinely believes. But what what's what's your rationale for that? Um, we've seen very little in the way of right foot is on the left and left foot is in the right so far. Um, whereas if you announce to the market we're looking for a right footer, um, you um, you're shortening your market right, and you're and you're you're announcing that you're only interested in you know half the centre backs out there, and you can't say oh well we're also looking at this guy because he's left footed or whatever. So um, and then and then also to Devo is someone who maybe is going to be an exception and can play not so much left and right, but can play aggressive and passive. I think so. He would be someone who can come in and do both. And also had the technical quality to play on his opposite side. Fine. Although Romero could do that too, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Van der Ven could probably do that too. Uh, although it's rare to see a left footer on the right. Um, so yeah, I think he's I think he's um, sort of distracting a little with his answer there. It's my suspicion. Interesting. Um, Bardi, you mentioned that you don't like Gallagher too much. What's the what's the reason for that? I just, I'm just not a huge fan. I've never, I haven't seen any. He's, well, he's just a box to box guy. Just gets up and down. Yeah. Don't like I, the cut I, of his I think he's more. I think he's more than that. I think he's more than that. I think he. I think he. Um, when he was on loan at Crystal Palace, he was a really, really impressive arriver in the box and at the edge of the box and scored quite a few goals in that season. Yeah. But I think his role under Pochettino at Chelsea has has really evolved and changed from that, and he's doing a lot more. Um, Sitting, I suppose, for want of a better word. He, he's how's not, that going for him? Is that how's, how's he's Chelsea been doing? Probably their best player this season, and he's there. <laughs> he's currently captaining them. Um, yeah. uh, the, the only reason that they are willing to let him go, supposedly, is well, he's got eighteen months left in his contract, which works against them, and also they have these FFP problems. So if they could sell him for between forty-five and fifty million, as suggested by some of the reporting recently, I think it was. Um, ben Jacobs has, has written that um, they they might want to do business and and my view is if we can tie up a deal for Hoybier with Juventus a loan with an obligation to buy which has has been reported uh, and let's say we get twenty five million for Hoybier 
then another 20 million on top for Gallagher for a homegrown player. I think that's pretty good business, to be honest. And I think Gallagher is someone who could potentially cover all three midfield roles. I'm not saying he would pl- he'd cover them all to the same level of effectiveness, but I think he offers goals from midfield. I think he'd be really good at the eight. He's a good presser. Uh, I think he'd be pretty good as a six. Now I've seen him more there. I've seen him sort of turn out trouble plenty this season for Chelsea and look really good doing it. Um, he's not hugely creative, so the ten would be more of a struggle, I think. But um, he's he's a good footballer. He's a good all round footballer, and I, I do like him a lot. I like I like the profile fit. Um, I like the versatility fit, and I like the fact that he's another homegrown player. Um, Nathan, are you, are you I know you weren't excited about Gallagher. Are you warming to the idea? I think he's a very good player. Um, I just I just have some concerns over tactical fit um, with Bentancur coming back. Um, hopefully at some point, you know, for an actual run of games. I feel like we have that profile in the squads. Uh, obviously Gallagher's younger English, but then like we've got Saar. So mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't like Gallagher playing the six. I don't think, I don't like Gallagher playing the number 10. I only see him as number eight. And for me, we've got good quality depth there despite Bentecourt's injury. Um, the thing is that like, yeah, Gallagher is really, truly excellent at arriving in the box and he's a, he's an outstanding finisher from what we've seen so far as well. Um, and it's fair to say that we, we've been lacking that in, in what we put out there. But then like, again, I think that's, that's a good strength of Bentecourt as well. Like, like last season he was absolutely bagging them until he got injured. Right. So, um, I don't know, like again, like he's definitely a good player. He could definitely play that role. I just think like we we need a number six. Maybe again, you you said before, move Bentecourt into being the backup number six and then you need another eight. Sure, I, I get that. I just, um, I don't want to help Chelsea out if they're in financial trouble. And um, I don't see Gallagher playing any other role but, but one. <laughs> but he's a good young English player and it would upset Pochettino very much apparently. So... <laughs> So, and um, it means Hoiberg goes the other way. I wasn't keen on it, but um, I think if that's if that's what the kind of outcome of it, then let's do it. Get it done. That's another one on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, one bit of business we know is happening is that Dane Scarlett is returning from his loan at Ipswich, um, who I guess it turns out it's been a really poor loan. I, do, I, I don't think it was obviously a bad loan i think because ipswich have been so outstanding this season that he's really struggled to find a place in the team they've kind of gone for more known quantities and they've been very consistent with their starting 11 so he struggled to break in um i don't know what do you think whether dane scarlet will get any first team minutes he's a pretty good profile fit for for a Postacoglu nine but if he's not getting minutes for ipswich is he likely to get minutes for spurs no yeah he'll be a a bench option at best, I suspect. The thing is, he's a good profile fit for for a postcognitive number nine. Like he he's a poacher. He can kind of get in behind a little bit. Um, he's put on some some muscle weight, which will help with his explosivity and his ability to cope with the with the physical league. Um, I don't think it's really. Um, I don't think it's like an indictment of him that he wasn't getting minutes at Ipswich. It's just that their setup is is working well without him. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that if he's not going to play first team football, then he might as well be training with the first team. And that's the benefit that we're getting out of, of drawing him back is that he gets to train with the first team. I doubt he'll get many minutes. Um, be cool if he does. I guess he's a better tactical fit than Valise, but then in that Valise is offering us an alternative. But then Valise comes on so late in the game, he gets one touch. So <laughs> I don't know. I would, yeah, I would like to have seen Valise get get inserted against Everton a bit a bit well he didn't get on at all but I would like to see him play a little bit I'm not sure what Dane Scarlett's going to offer offer us 
he'll maybe get minutes if we get through the Burnley game and then we, we get someone rubbish in the next round. Otherwise, I don't think we'll, we'll see him. But he did play pre-season, didn't he? He came off a cane, scored mm. a goal, a good goal. So maybe, you never know. Especially with Sun going away as well in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're being linked with several other players, including some attacking players. Um, so Rooney Bargy, the suggestion is that we'd like to sign him um, and we'd like to do it now rather than wait until the summer. Uh, he is represented by CAA Base, who we know have represented many a Spurs transfer target in the, in the past. Uh, are you a fan, Nathan? Mm, I am a fan. Uh, he's definitely like an exciting young talent. Um, but again, I'm confused by his fit for the role. So he plays... Uh, Quite right, isn't he? he? Well, he he plays inside right. I think he okay. yeah uh, with a with a probably a right back who goes around the outside of him quite a bit. Um, and so kind of like Gallagher, his main role is to arrive in the box for shots, and he's uh, been an outstanding statistical finisher, and he's really good with his movement. I don't know. I, I guess if you look at the Gallagher links and you look at the Rooney Bargy links and the suggestion that it's Postacoglu in both cases who's perhaps pushing both of them is that he feels that there's a a, a missing profile in the squad as a, a secondary forward, as someone who's really good at arriving in the box well. Whereas, whereas I see the greater concern being our ability to sustainably provide into the box. And what happens next is is a secondary problem, right? Mm. Um, so I guess if that's what's happening, that's where I'm, I'm seeing the game differently to Ange. Um, I I don't think Bargy is a great fit for for playing on the right touchline. He doesn't have the the volume of dribbles. I mean, he doesn't have the volume of minutes because he's not actually a starter for Copenhagen most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're talking about a, basically a child here, so that's fine. Um, he's definitely like an up and coming exciting talent. And 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 of course, when you know Paratici is <laughs> your shadow director of football, <laughs> um, he's always just going to be looking for exciting young players regardless of how they fit tactically because you can return on their value and mold them as you like and and work the rest out later wasn't um paratishu spotted at spurs on the uh-huh. weekend yeah was that you who retweeted something on that nathan <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that, yes <laughs> <laughs> oh, i hadn't realized that okay so he's still yep. in the mix. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm, forward... I'm excited about I'm excited about Rooney Bargy just because his name, the name, and also because of the possibility of, of <laughs> you know, the titles that we could do, the stuff we could do, the puns. I'm really looking forward to Bargy joining us. <laughs> Another forward we're being linked to is Santiago Jimenez, um, who is more of an Arsenal striker, isn't he, Nathan? Yeah. Yeah. So this is um. This is an interesting. So uh, he plays for Feyenoord. So I've I've watched him quite a bit. Um, and if you go back and watch my video on Arne Schlott, which is one that <laughs> instantly aged terribly, um, I talk about him being like the blunt instrument at the end of everything that Feyenoord do. Um, he profiles a bit like Valise, right? He's he's a battering ram. He's a he's a big tall uh, bean post. And so much of Feyenoord's football. Um, is creating a chance for a winger to cross the ball in from out wide that he absolutely banked goals last season. I went, that's pretty good. But also I reckon anyone who's like pushing seven foot and stood in the middle for a team who have excellent, excellent wingers who cross the ball all game is going to get quite a few goals. But this season, 
this season he's scoring at greater than a rate of a goal a game, which is like absurd, wow. right? So so even with like him playing in the absolute perfect circumstances for him, which is like, you know, being a huge big guy playing in a league of children defenders and also I having he like... Was, I thought he was like 5'10 or 5'11 or something. I'm looking this Am up. Am I looking at the wrong player? I embarrass myself. Either, either he's very tall or he's got an incredible leap on him. I could maybe he's just got an outstanding leap. I could easily yeah. be thinking of the wrong player. Yeah, I mean they're saying he's he's what what's one point eight like five ten? Is that what you just said? Yeah, it's just a bit shorter than me. Damn, my man can leap. He's, jump is he's a high jumper. when he meets the ball. He's tall in the air. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's that's how I'm rephrasing this. Okay. <laughs> the same thing when I by the way, when I when I watched uh when I scouted even Tony um way back at uh Peterborough, I reported that he was tall then and he wasn't tall again. He's tall in the air, right? So he's got he's got he's got Ivan Tony uh vibes. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I skipped over our other centre-back target, um, Radu Dragushin, who looks like Karl Drogo, um, and he yeah. has a very weird profile for a centre-back, but it definitely seems like Spurs are keen. Bardi, have you seen much of him for... Is it Genoa he plays for? Genoa, no, nothing. Um, isn't he signing a new contract? That's what That's what my ITK is telling me. Uh, okay. That's what so is... are we being used in contract negotiations again? Yeah, maybe. Probably. Maybe. He's still a young boy, you know... If I was him, do do one more season there, take the money yeah. and then then go for for big bucks. Uh, mm. So just like Van der Ven, just like Todibo, uh, Dragusin is um, an athletic freak. Um, he he plays the aggressive role. Um, he mainly plays uh, right side um, of a two of a two or a three. Um, occasionally central, but he. Um, how do I phrase this? He's like, he's springy. Everything he does, he does like explosively. Um, uh, he's got a, a cr- an incredible leap on him. He's fast on the turn, explosively fast, um, e- extremely aggressive. Um, Sounds like he's got he, that dog in him. Yeah, he's 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 all dog. He's dog all the way head to toe. He's made entirely out of dog. He's I don't I don't know whether he can play football especially well though. It's it's hard to tell. So so he Genoa's, might burst the ball every now and again. Yeah, yeah. But this is the thing. It's like he absolutely throws himself into every tackle, every challenge, every header. He also throws himself into every touch of the ball, right? Which is to just. Most of the time, uh, the first pass will be a gentle pass to a centre-back next to him. And then his centre-back will pass the ball back to him, baiting the opposition forward to the press. And then it's time to smash the ball as close to the sun as you can possibly get it. Right? <laughs> that's that's the type of football that Genoa play. And um, I went to I went to the effort of of finding some Serie B matches from last season because last season. Um, in their promotion season, Genoa had the highest possession percentage of the league. So surely we would get a good look at what Dragusin looks like in a team who dominate the ball. Well, how they dominate the ball is they smash the ball to the sun and when it comes back down, they're better at fighting for it and then they're in the final third, which is basically how Everton played against us, right? So it's quite hard to get a read on Dragusin's ability to play football, but the athletic profile there could be no doubt over. Nice. And backs himself to coach some passing ability. The thing the the most in my opinion, 
the most important tool a centre-back can have to be good on the ball is agile hips. Mm. Right? Van der Ven is not a creative passer. He's not a progressive passer. His technique is good. His first touch is definitely good. But the main thing that makes him excellent in our system is his comfort on the ball. And that comes from his agility in his hips. Dragusin absolutely has the agility. He just might also have like hiking boots on, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he does look like that he could just pick up the Argentine tango and just go with it. He does he does have that look about him. But yeah, I'm going to keep an eye on the hips because for sure Dyer has no hips. No he, hips. That, that man, he could never like marry someone from South America because he just just disgrace himself at weddings. But yeah, okay. Going to look at people's hips from now on. <laughs> <laughs> so two more bits of transfer news in our roundup. Firstly, a terrible tabloid in the UK that I, whose name I won't mention, uh, reporting that we want to sign Arthur Vermeeren. Uh, and loan him back to Royal Antwerp until the end of the season, which is what we did with Udogi, if you remember. And it's what mm. Brighton tend to do quite a bit with their young signings. It seems to be a thing now. Um, do we know much about Vermeer and Nathan? Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Um, he, I talked about him the other week. He, um, he stood out last season as having like a really strong defensive statistical profile, as just an, out, an outstanding ball winner. Um, and there was quite a bit of hype about him in sort of scouting circles, and I didn't get it very much. And then, like, he's made a huge, huge leap this season in his ball-playing game. Um, so things with him are still kind of a little scrappy, I guess, but the, the technical quality is, is is coming on leaps and bounds, game by game, basically. So he's sort of an exciting player. And we also similarly got links, possibly also by the same news source, to Adam Wharton. So those are, like, my two guys... That I wanted us to pick for number six, and also to Debo was my number one centre back target. Like people have been making the joke about like Spurs making my ideas for a while, and it's not really been that. You know, it's been a stretch. But now I really feel like <laughs> I don't actually think that the Spurs are uh, you know following me on Twitter. What I'm saying is like they're subbing to our patrons. <laughs> no, they're using no. the same methods to identify their targets. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think, and it's also like. Um, does that do I need to change like what I'm doing? Is it like is it still I don't know. I'm no, sort of reflecting you're, on you you're, you're ahead of the game in terms of mm. you know, you, you tell us the players you like and then maybe Spurs will like them too. Yeah, okay. Okay. Maybe they get, already like them, but we just don't know about it yet. Yeah. I get a bit nervous about signing players from Belgium because they sure. look great in Belgium. Like, like I'm gonna butcher his name, Charles de Ketelare. Who looked big in Belgium, then went to Milan, did nothing. But um, he's, he's actually right. come back to he's come back to life at Atalanta. Yeah, same as Kamaka, right? Yeah, well, a lot of players do come back to life there. Then Atalanta just flips them for a load of money, <laughs> um, like the big number nine at United. So um, maybe I I still yeah I still get nervous. Same with who was the guy we were going to sign in the summer, the striker, gift, gift horse, gift, gift Orban, gift Orban. So um, yeah, I do get nervous about players from Belgium. But um, if, if if he looks good, then why not? Twenty five million is a lot of money, though. Yeah, for a player who's not yet nineteen, has only played in the Belgian league, it's, it's a fair old chunk of mm. cash. Uh, although I imagine it will be on a long term contract and probably spread out along the contract. Um, final bit of, of news in the roundup is that Ivan Parasic is still wanted by Hajduk Split, as we found out in the summer. And I think had he not got injured, he got injured before the the transfer deadline, if I recall. And I think there was a chance he would have moved. 
I suspect if he gets fit enough to go in January, he'll go. So I think we can always discount him from the squad uh, in, in that sense. So no real surprise with that. Like he's you know, in, the, in the twilight of his career, um, going back to Croatia, to the club he started at, would, would seem to make a lot of sense, I think. Uh, I can't imagine we'll get a fee for him, but it'll be more wages off the books. So I imagine he's on a fair old wedge. Uh, so no bad thing at all. Um, by the time we record next, it's possible we might have made a signing. Uh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so 2024 is going to be the uh, extreme positivity from Wendy. I'm looking forward to it. Are you, are you skeptical about our ability to sign players early, Barney? Yeah, I, I, I'm. I've been around the block, and um, <laughs> as much as we think Tottenham's changed, uh, I don't know if we changed that much. Yeah. The thing is, right, and I know that, like as first fans, we essentially do this every single window, and I definitely, definitely did this um, last January under Conte because we needed to make drastic changes or sack him, and we didn't do either. The title race is wide open, right? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely there for the taking. If, and I'm not saying this is likely, and I'm not even saying this is uh, financially responsible, but if we really went for it in January, if we went for like three or four first 11 quality players we could put ourselves in such a strong position to contend for the title this season because like obviously the plan you know the plan was to be doing that next season the season after if things went well mm. but it's wide open right now and uh i don't want to watch arsenal win the league no man absolutely not we can do it we have we have the coach we have the star talent we just need the quality of depth and we're there I don't know, man. Like it's 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 ripe for the plucking, you know. And um, again, as a fan, I'm always going to be like, oh, you know what we should do now? We should spend all of our money because that's exciting and fun. Um, <laughs> but the like it it it's it <laughs> the potential reward is there, you know. I'm with you. Do we do a question or do we leave it there? Let's have one more. Let's have one more. Okay. Mm. Uh, uh, Len says to us, I wonder what player names you would get on on shirts. Who are your top three? I'm personally still struggling to include Madison due to his past comments about Bale, but I'm softening my stance. Uh, Bardi, who are your favourite? Who are your favourite Spurs players or the names you get on the back of a shirt right now? Well, I've never had a name on the back of my shirt. Um, I don't tend to buy Tottenham kits. I haven't, I haven't bought one since the, the seatbelt one, which I got the, the season after we changed because it was on special offer. But... I, I have a real love-hate relationship with a lot of our players, as you may have noticed over the years. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I would you ever, do like, surprise me. <laughs> I'm not sure I would ever commit myself to to one of our players, but I think I would go for numbers. So I like the number seven, and Sun is such a nice name to have, such a good person. So I would maybe go for the number seven, which would be Sun. I also really like the number fourteen, which is Perisic. So that doesn't really suit. I also really like the number 18 and I would never put LaCelso on my back. I also, my, my lucky number is 15, which has been on Eric Dyer's back for way too many years. So I think I'd go for, for Sun and then, I don't know, something random like Brian Hill, number 11. <laughs> and then something, and then maybe 30 with Bentoncourt, just because, yeah, just because I can't put any of the others on my back. I think what you should do, Bardi, is um, just like get a bunch of, of Velcro letters and numbers and then keep them <laughs> at the top of your hill. So when when you're having a good time with a play, you run up your little hill and you, you slap some Velcro on. Yeah. And then when you fall out with them, you can just take it off and it's, you've still got your Spurs shirt. There must be in the future a way, Tottenham will design a way that you could just change people's numbers. But <laughs> I think it, I think probably seven, son. When... Um, my sister decided to commit to supporting Spurs. I got her like a match 
top with I put Sun on the back for her, which she was very happy with. So yeah, seven Sun. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, seven Sun. Nice, Nathan. Any uh, preferences? Yeah, I reckon I'm going to be one of those dickheads who uh, gets a custom for a player that we haven't yet signed that I want us to sign. <laughs> I'll get I'll get Nico Williams or Tadevo. <laughs> oh god, awful, horrendous. We've an already taken number as well to make it extra oh, bad. <laughs> no, disgusting, horrendous. What are you going to get, Wendy? Sixty nine lads, lads, lads. <laughs> <laughs> No, I um, I mean, Son is so adorable, isn't he? It's hard to mm. look past him, but I'm going to look past him. I'm, I would get Pedro Porro because I absolutely love him. Um, he's my fave, my boy. And then my second choice would be Kulusevski. Uh, a pricey name to get, yeah. <laughs> but a um, bit of a cult hero, I think. And my third would be Udogi because I think he is soon to be a massive favourite. I'm yeah. really enjoying watching him develop at Spurs. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Trayton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) This was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, (laughs) you, you were different. Like you were real different. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.